be allowed to present evidence of the armed insider's secret marriage to Aaliyah. The hit song by Aaliyah debuted in 1994. It was produced by R. Kelly, and just months later, the two married. But Aaliyah was just 15 years old, and federal prosecutors in New York accused Kelly of bribing an Illinois government employee to obtain a fake ID for Aaliyah. According to court records, that fake ID was used to obtain a marriage license, listing her age as 18. Aaliyah died in 2001 in a plane crash. She was just 22 years old. Prosecutors in New York are now calling her Jane Doe number 1. This week, a judge ruled that evidence showing Kelly had sexual contact with Aaliyah when she was a teenager can be presented to the jury. Prosecutors allege Aaliyah became pregnant and as a result, in an effort to shield himself from criminal charges related to his illegal sexual relationship with Jane Doe number 1, Kelly arranged a secret marriage to prevent her from being compelled to testify against him in the future. Kelly is facing charges of transporting underage girls across state lines for sexual activity and child pornography. He's pled not guilty. Let's bring back former federal prosecutor Nima Romani. Nima, R. Kelly's marriage to Aaliyah has been whispered for decades. How do you see Kelly's relationship to now Jane Doe number one being used against him in a trial almost 20 years after her death? Brian, prosecutors love this type of 404B or other prior bad acts evidence because it helps dirty up the defendant. Let's not forget that R. Kelly was acquitted back in 2008, the last time he was tried. So the more that you can present this evidence to the jury, it helps dirty up the defendant. We saw the same tactic used both against Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. So that's the what, and that makes sense. But as we know, it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to prove it in court. Do you see any difficulties the prosecution may face in this alleged rape from 1994? Even the district judge in this case asked R. Kelly's defense attorney, do you dispute that sexual contact occurred when you were married to a 15-year-old? I think the jury is going to see right through that argument if R. Kelly's counsel gets up there and says, we were married, but nothing of a sexual nature happened. I don't think that's a particularly good argument, although one I expect them to make. Yeah, I mean, they've got the marriage license, they've got the name, they've got her listed as 18 at the time. That's pretty damning evidence. Do you think it's a, a non-credible argument to say, hey, we got married, we just slept in separate beds the entire time, and that's not going to fly? I don't think so. I don't think the jury's going to buy the Ricky and Lucy argument with two twin beds, especially when it comes to R. Kelly. I think the more this type of evidence that comes in related to other victims, that is what's going to help the feds finally convict him. Well, he did write, I believe I, I believe I can fly. I'm not sure if that argument's going to work here, but we'll keep eyes on that case as it begins just around the corner. Two police officers and bystanders who rescued a baby pinned under a car in Yonkers, New York, are recognized for their quick actions. Law and Crimes Engineer Levy is back with his ceremony to recognize those involved in the rescue. You know, Brian, it's been about two weeks since that eight-month-old baby girl and her mother were hit by a suspected drunk driver. Now, you may recall surveillance video and also police body camera video captured those horrific tense moments when both of them were hit. They were crossing the street in Ronk Yonkers, rather, when the vehicle crossed the road and it smashed them into a storefront. Officers Rocco Fusco and Paul Samayendi were getting breakfast nearby and heard the crash. The officers and three men lifted the car off of the baby and her mother. This week, the city of Yonkers recognized them for their efforts, and the baby's father and the wife of the woman hit became very emotional when he showed up at the ceremony and thanked everyone involved in Spanish for their efforts. The police commissioner also spoke at the ceremony. Really, 
recognition and acknowledgement of the, the collaborative effort that they did together. And I just want to, again, echo the mayor, Senator Todd Officer Samayedni, Officer Fusco, and then our civilians too, Michael Russo, Bar Castillo, and Jose Suero. Um, all five who worked together and made sure that they, they literally saved the life of, of Leslie, uh, the little girl, and Mother Myrna. Now the mother and the daughter who were rescued, they are still in the hospital, but their conditions are improving um, according to the husband and father and the police commissioner. And the man who hit them faces several charges at this point. Brian. Thank you, Angela. She had a well-deserved recognition by all five, and we wish a speedy recovery to both the mother and that young child. Coming up on Law and Crime Daily, why one woman is speaking with a sheriff's office over groping allegations by Governor Cuomo. Plus, the shocking news that brings Robert Durst's trial to a halt for now. Why there's a pause in the trial of a real estate heir accused of murder next. Yeah, we've covered the deaths of young children before, but the manner in which Sterling Keene died and the condition he was left in, never seen anything like that. Now, the focus would turn on the parents, and we learned a lot, especially when the mother, Cheyenne Harris, spoke with law enforcement. Do you remember putting Sterling in this way? Also, we're going to get into when the father, Zachary Keene, took the stand and we sit down with the investigator and some of the lawyers from this case. Tune in to Law and Crime. It's never okay to drink and drive, and it's definitely never okay to drink and drive, then crash into a government building. Dan Abrams, Law and Crime founder and host of the a series Court Cam, is here to tell us about one man who didn't get the message. Next, we head to the Burke County Courthouse in Morganton, North Carolina. Or more accurately, the lobby of the courthouse. That's Herbert Bristol getting out of his car. Naturally, after parking his car in a courthouse, he puts on his hazard lights. Here it is from another angle. Bristol, who'd been drinking before the incident, just crashed his car through the entrance of the building. No sense of urgency here. Bristol just gets out of his parked car in the lobby of a federal building, lights a cigarette, and begins to walk out. Yes, he's leaving the same way he came in, this time without his car. Ironically, police believe Bristol was already scheduled for a court appearance on drunk driving charges. Thanks to this incident, there would be another court appearance for Bristol on a litany of charges, including failure to report an accident. Despite all the charges that surely awaited him, Bristol didn't seem too concerned. Seems like he was just parking in the wrong spot and got to court a little early. 
When we come back, an appeals court issues their decision on the conviction of ex-cop Amber Geiger for the murder of Fulton Jean. Will the jury's guilty verdict be upheld or overturned? Find out after the break. A Texas Court of Appeals is upholding the conviction of former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger for murdering Fulton Jean in his apartment. A panel of three judges ruled there was sufficient evidence to convict Geiger of murder. She's now serving a 10-year sentence. Geiger testified at trial that she accidentally entered Jean's apartment thinking it was her own. Prosecutors argued Geiger drew her service weapon intending to shoot Jean dead. One attorney for Jean's family says they're relieved by the court's decision but not shocked. Tennessee jury has found Stephen Wiggins guilty of fatally shooting a sheriff's deputy and lighting his body on fire. Wiggins admitted to shooting Dickinson County Sheriff's Sergeant Daniel Baker in May 2018. A jury convicted Wiggins of all charges, including murder, arson, and impersonating a police officer. The same jury will now hear evidence and recommend to the judge if Wiggins should face the death penalty or spend the rest of his life in prison. Testimony in the penalty phase begins on Saturday. And the trial of Robert Durst abruptly came to a halt on Thursday. We're now learning that's because a member of the public inside the courtroom has tested positive for COVID-19. Testimony is on hold until at least Monday morning. Durst is on trial for the murder of his best friend, Susan Berman, in December 2000. Prosecutors have rested and the defense's memory expert was on the stand. Dr. Elizabeth Loftus was in the middle of day two of a contentious cross-examination by prosecutor John Lewis. Now to a major update in the probe into New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo. A woman who says Cuomo groped her in the executive mansion has filed a criminal complaint with the Albany County Sheriff. The New York Post first reported Friday a woman identified as executive assistant number one has filed a criminal complaint. According to a report by New York's attorney general's office, executive assistant one told investigators the governor grabbed her rear end when asking her to take a selfie. The report said the governor denied touching her backside. Independent investigators spoke with 11 women. The AG's office described the assistant's incident as the most egregious allegations of physical touching. Cuomo's attorneys held a press conference on Friday to deny all allegations, but it didn't go exactly as planned. I apologize in advance for the technical, or actually I apologize after the fact for the technical difficulties. Our ethernet went down. Me and my team went through the emails for that day. All the entrance and exit records, and this woman's story would be stated as fact in a report is false. The documentary evidence does not support what she said. And what is disturbing to me is that the two investigators did not show that evidence to you. They ignored it. Ask them why. Nina, why 
is Executive Assistant One following complaints bringing Cuomo closer to charges? Albany already has the agent's report. Brian, another day and more bad news for the current governor, maybe soon to be former governor. This is important because sexual assault is one of the most underreported crimes. As a prosecutor, rarely do you have victims who are ready, willing, and able to come forward and assist with a criminal prosecution. Now that Executive Assistant One has made it clear that she wants to proceed, it's going to make the district attorney of Albany's case that much stronger. Aniba, what do you think about the defense so far for the governor and how they laid out this timeline saying this all doesn't make sense? Well, you have 11 victims here and the folks who conducted the investigation, one of them is a former federal prosecutor and the other is a civil employment attorney. Let's not forget, these were employees. So I'm not surprised that the governor's defense team has come out and denied all these accusations. But what's more believable, what's more credible, that 11 victims have come forward and they're all lying, or it's the governor who's denying any responsibility for his conduct. And let's not forget, the reason that Executive Assistant One came forward is because she was upset that the governor and his defense attorneys have come out and flat out denied any of this conduct. So, Anima, intentionally touching a person for no reason but to just to degrade, abuse, or for sexual gratification. By my read, that's a state law Cuomo could have broken. What do you think? I agree, Brian, and you're certainly you're the expert on New York law being out there, but grabbing someone's buttocks, forcibly groping their breasts, kissing them on the lips, that seems to fall squarely within the four corners of the sexual assault law that you just identified. Yeah, you better believe that Albany is going to be looking at that and other charges that they could potentially press forward against the governor here to see whether or not any of these charges will stick. Nima, thank you as always for joining us here today and giving us that expert analysis. And thank you for joining us here on Law and Crime Daily. We'll see you next time as we discuss justice.